Hi, I'm Steve. I'm Erin. And I'm Daniel. And we're the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. Three friends with professional scientific backgrounds. Talking about all things under the sun in the most digestible way. Enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 20 of the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. Uh, Before we begin, I have to do some housekeeping. And I'd like to tell everyone who's under the age of 18 to stop listening to this podcast right now and go and listen to one of our other episodes, because today we'll be discussing serial killers. As a trigger warning, I'd just like to point out that we will be discussing things such as murder, in some cases, rape, and other triggering topics. And so if you don't feel like listening, please do go and listen to another podcast. Thank you. So today we'll each be discussing a different case that we find intriguing going back. So first of all, I like to start off and I'd like to take you to a small village in Ecuador to a trader's market in April of 1980. A woman named Carvina Poveda set to work as if it were any other day, accompanied by her 12-year-old daughter, Maria. She set about selling miscellaneous goods to clients. Little did the duo know that they would become infamous for their role in one of the biggest crime scandals of the modern era. Whilst busy selling goods, Carvina was approached by a man who appeared to be an interested buyer. She didn't think much of the interaction until she was told by her daughter that that same man had tried to convince her to leave Plaza Rosa Marketplace with him. Summoning help, she pursued him and eventually the man was captured by townspeople and held for the police, who began to suspect that they might have a madman in custody. In the face of the man's continuing silence, police tried a different strategy. Unbeknownst to them, the man had serious father issues, and through chance, the police decided to send in an older man, a priest, Father Cordoba Gudini, undercover. What they'd done was they got the father and dressed him in prison garb. They placed him in the cell with the man, leaving Gudino to win the suspect's confidence, swapping stories of real or imaginary crimes late into the evening. Eventually, the Padre had heard enough. He confronted the suspect with what he was trying to do, which was to lure away a child from their mother. And he asked why the man tried to do what he did. Now, here's when it gets very, very insane and very blood curdling. The man broke down and made a full confession. The confession was so crazy that the authorities didn't actually believe him initially. But once they liaised with their counterparts in Peru and Colombia, they realised that what the man was saying was actually true. Pedro Alonso Lopez, the man who had been captured by townspeople, had murdered at the very least 300 young girls between 1969 and 1980. And he was indeed the monster of the Andes. So what do you guys think about that introduction? So, so wait, in the end, just so I get this clear, like he, was, he tried to lure her. He got caught, they sent a priest, and the priest found out that he was, he was basically a mass murderer of like 300 plus people. Yeah, so they arrested the man, he yeah. refused to talk, so they thought, okay, we need to get a different strategy going here. They sent in a priest who happened to be, you know, an older man, mm-hmm. and they, they weren't actually uh, sending him in because they thought, oh, an older man can coax him. They just sent in a priest because they felt his demeanor would be one that the guy would respond to. But little did they know, this guy's got a lot of daddy issues, basically. And so Mm. he immediately was drawn to the priest. They discussed things overnight. And he broke down and admitted to killing 300 plus people. How do you manage that? In what period? Do you you know how long it took him to do that? So all I know is he was in in prison um, in the 1970s and was released, I think, in 1975 or 6. So what? between 1976 and 1980, he, in like a space of maybe four years, he managed to kill 300 plus. Holy people. shit. That's insane. And they were all little girls aged between nine and 12. Where did he find all these people? All right. So I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to the, the actual, um, the story of who this man is and what he done and the unfortunate end of his victims. So I'll start off with his birthplace. So... Pedro Alonso Lopez, who I'll be calling Lopez for the duration of uh, my segment, was born to a prostitute mother who had 13 children, and Lopez was the seventh child. Uh, He was born in a village called uh, Tolima in Colombia. Uh, He lived in absolute squalor, and at the age of eight, 
he was caught fondling one of his younger sisters by his mother. And so he got kicked out and was living on the streets rough. His bad luck at this point was that he was picked up by a paedophile who then promised him a place to stay and food, but unfortunately he was molested in a deserted house instead. So this led to him not trusting people at all and continuing to live on the streets. So he would go from village to village as a beggar, just begging for food and anything to get by. And he would stay uh, you know, underneath shelters at night um, up until maybe potentially the age of, I believe, to be 12 when he was uh, adopted by an American family and enrolled into an orphan school. He stayed there for two years before he stole money from this family and fleed. And they believe this was because he was also being molested by a teacher at this school. So nothing was seen or heard of him for a good six to seven years. But when he turned 18, he was arrested for stealing an automobile and sentenced to prison. On his second day there, he was gang raped by a group of four older inmates. Wow. This guy uh, had a lot of stuff happen to him and he was already clearly not very stable when he was kicked out by his mother. Mm. And things were only made worse. Thing is though, like, is it an excuse? No, like, definitely. I'm not. I'm not giving this as an excuse. He clearly had issues to begin with. But like, whose fault does this lie in? Like, obviously, ultimately, you know, he's the owner of his own action, and he killed all these people. But if you really look at it, if you like analyze the whole situation, like he just failed by society and by the government over and over again. Well, let me let me tell you what actually happened because when we get to the end of this story, I think there's a lot of people that need to be held to account for what actually happened. So after the the gang rape by the other inmates who are much older than him, rather than reporting them, he made a shiv and he killed three of his rapists. And now this is the part where the first error in the justice system occurs. He killed three of the inmates, but the guards at the, the prison decided that it was self-defense. And so they only gave him two extra years for killing three people. Wow. Mm-mm. So once he served the sentence, he left. And then he decided that now he had the lust for murder. And so this is when his killing spree actually began. So he was released and went to Peru. By 1978, he had killed at least 100 young girls in Peru. He targeted young girls from indigenous tribes of Peru, and he would lure them away from families on busy streets and busy market areas. He would lure them away, and then he would, he would murder them. And he continued to do this for, as I said, at least 100 young girls before he was eventually captured by the Ayachuco tribe in northern Peru. So they caught him trying to lure away a nine-year-old girl to kidnap her. They beat him up, they tortured him, and they were going to bury him alive when an American missionary intervened. She persuaded them to hand him over to the authorities. They did not want to do that. They said, this is our way of dealing with this situation is to bury him alive. She intervened and she got them to begrudgingly accept to hand him over to the authorities. Now, here's the second time that the authorities let down the people of both Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru. The authorities in Peru did not arrest Lopez. What? They simply go. deported him for being an illegal immigrant. <sighs> and they said that they would not waste their valuable time on Indian complaints. So he was deported right. to Colombia. And so he continued killing at will through Colombia and Ecuador, again, going after people of indigenous tribes to the less fortunate. You know, he would lure them away from busy markets. And so he just continued doing what he was doing. And although authorities were aware of missing girls, they could not believe that it would be a single individual doing this. So they accounted for all of the missing people as a potential sex slave trade operation that was operating in the area. So they didn't have any kind of evidence suspects nothing but then in april of 1980 a flash flood in an area near ambato ecuador uncovered bodies of four vanished children at this point they realized that somebody was murdering these children it was shortly after this that he was caught at the marketplace now he was originally charged with 53 murders however the number was increased to 110 due to the detail in his confessions major victor lascano director of the ambato prison explained If someone confesses to 53 and you find hundreds more, you tend to believe what he says. 
I think his estimate of 300 is very low because in the beginning he cooperated with us and took us each day to three or four hidden corpses. But then he tired, changed his mind and stopped helping. Now, I'm going to give you the third example of when the justice system let down these people. At the time, the law was such that, in Ecuador, that even if you killed 100 people or if you killed one person, you served your sentences at the same time. So if you were given a life sentence, it was 16 years. And that was it. So although he confessed to killing 300 people, he was only given 16 years in prison, at which point he was eligible for parole. So he served 16 years of prison and then was released on the 31st of August on 1994. He was then rearrested as an illegal immigrant and handed over to the Colombian authorities. Now, here's part four of when the authorities failed these people. The Colombians, once they arrest him, say that he is insane and hold him in a psychiatric wing of the Bogota hospital. In, and in 1998, he's declared sane and released on a $50 bail. What? That's crazy. Since then, no one knows what happened to Lopez and he has simply vanished. In 2002, Interpol linked him with another murder and he has never been caught and never been seen since. So the monster of the Andes could potentially still be alive. And if he is, he'll be 75 years old. Mad. So nice where do we go in dissecting this case? <laughs> There's so many like holes. I mean, all right, let's, let me put this out first, innit? That guy was a horrendous person. Like, this, I've never heard a story this bad, to be honest. Like, this is almost government level, like, do you know I mean? Killing, murders, and... Mm. But, like, saying that, at the same time, there was clear, like, kind of like racial uh, tension between obviously like, the government and the native tribes. So uh, that, that's part that really bothers me the most is that, it, you know, when it was first happening and it was just like, oh, you know, natives, they didn't really care. They didn't take it seriously, you know, just deport him and let him go. Yeah, and that. I say that this man was interviewed shortly before he was released from the psychiatric hospital. And in the interview, he referred to himself as the man of the 20th century and said that he had zero remorse for what he's done. And he was released on a $50 bail. That's crazy, man. The people who smoke weed will get, will, will get less than that. He, he had $50 himself. When he was caught, you know, you have a certain oh, amount of money on you. So he just, he just paid for himself and left. The families of the victims, um, it's been reported, we don't know how true this is, but it's reported that they saved up as much money as they could and got 25 grand and they were willing to pay for anyone who would kill him in prison. That being said, he was put into a high security prison in his time during Equ in Ecuador. And so, you know, no one could touch him. He was completely under surveillance at all times. He was protected by the, by the government, really. And, you know, as I read, mm. when the Ayotrucos got him and handed him over to the, to the authorities in Peru, had they dealt with it then, rather than dismissed it and simply deported him to another country, potentially 200 plus people would still be alive today. That's crazy. Disgusting, really. The Guinness World Book of Records had actually listed them as the most prolific serial killer of all time, but they were forced to remove this because people believed that it made light of the situation and almost made it into a sort of competition. Comical thing. Yeah, it was a, it was a competition. And so they were mm. worried that, you know, other people will try to one-up this because the kind of mentality of a person that would commit these kind of crimes you know, they would, they would read that and they might want to emulate it. So, yeah. you know, they had to remove it. But, I mean, did you lot know about this case before today? Never heard of it. Yeah, not going to lie. This is the first time I've ever heard. Like, I can't believe I haven't heard, heard of this case. Cause this is the most insane, prolific man. serial killer ever. And the fact that he was released and just allowed to walk out free after mm. only serving 16 years in a, in a prison and then only spending roughly two to three years in a mental hospital you know when he left he was he was just past his 50th birthday that's actually fucking insane man that is so weird and you know we, we hear about ted bundy all the time we hear about you know jeffrey Dahmer all the time because these are american serial killers but what is it about a serial killer in a third world country that just doesn't seem to garner anyone's attention i mean i personally only found out about him when i knew we were going to do this podcast so i was looking up cases which i might find interesting and he was literally on the, on the first, he was the first name on Wikipedia for most prolific serial killers, but I've, I had mm. never heard of him before. 
yeah it's a bit like there's a cultural bias with like these kind of things as well um you know depending what kind of nation you're from you won't really hear about it no one really cares about i mean no offense but no one really in the world care about third world countries and their problems to that extent like on the local yeah, level the children but, of south america yeah exactly but you know if there's a shooting somewhere in america everyone will hear of it it'll be on I mean, the, the thing news is, everywhere we have to remember that this is 300 human beings that have lost their lives i mean it's easy to just say the number 300 but there's so many people have died at the hands of one person and the fact that children able as well. to walk free and their children between the ages of nine to 12 mm, that's sick yeah, that's actually sickening i don't know like what but but do you think like maybe uh is it is it the government's fault then because i i know that in south america they had a lot of issues with even like uh, in terms of civil unrest and especially in colombia mm. would you say like i i don't know exactly what the situation was then but let's say for example it was in iraq right and mm. this this happened but the government you know, they couldn't follow it up because maybe they lacked resources, etc. Do you think that's an excuse or what do you think? The issue here is not even on a on a government level, but even if when you look at and of the police officers that were involved in the case, he was handed over to them and they just let him walk. He was in prison for a good sixteen years. Legislation could have been put into place to keep him there for life. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're coming out and saying that you think even 300 is him downplaying the actual number. The guy's shown zero remorse the whole time he's been in there. He's described himself as the man of the 20th century, and yet you still let could him have been free. More. This is the thing. There could possibly be more people. We just will not know because he, after a certain point, you know, I think initially he thought, well, if I say one or if I say 100, it doesn't really affect me. I still get 16 years. So he was willing to help them uncover the bodies. But after a certain point, he just decided, no, I don't want to help you anymore. And so we really don't know what the actual number is. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, it could be anything. Um, yeah, it's really sad, though. And again, like, even his story, he was failed as well from early, man. Like, yeah, I don't know. His, product uh, of the environment. Product of the environment. But then you can say, like, when you started telling me about his upbringing, the first person that came into my mind was Mike Tyson. Because it was really, if you listen to his interviews, it was really something similar where he grew up, his mother was a prostitute. He was kicked out of his house. Um, he would stay in cinemas and there'd basically be pedophiles trying to uh, move to him. Got involved in crime. The only difference is that he, was, he had an intervention in his early life to concentrate on something great. And then we know the rest of the story of Mike Tyson. So, but again, you know that I mean? comes like, down to the infrastructure of these third world countries where there isn't something to help out possibly troubled youth. But in the, I mean, in this case, it just feels kind of weird. To, it feels as though we're almost you know pitying him i don't pity him one bit whatsoever but at the same time we do need to point out that you know the conditions of this individual's upbringing clearly were not normal yeah yeah i don't pity him at all because at the end of the day you need to take personal responsibility of your life but exactly yeah but like if let's say as a society we see this obviously you don't pity the guy but you have to ask yourself how do we let this happen or how do we not let this happen again and so you look at it from the root. Yeah, how do you prevent it? Exactly, yeah. You want to prevent it from the root uh, cause. And if you can, as a society, implement things to capture these kids that are really vulnerable on the streets. But again, like you said, the resources these countries don't have, but it's not an excuse for the government because they caught him and they failed it. They failed miserably. So I don't know what to say. Both <laughs> and I mean, the thing is, look, he was, he was caught by the Ayachuco tribe first. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. If I'm not, I do apologize. But then when he was eventually, you know, released and carried on, he was then caught by traders at a market. The police literally were handed this man multiple Mm -hmm. times until eventually they were like, oh, okay, yeah, let's actually look at what this guy might have done. Mm -hmm. So it's a massive failing on on behalf of the police force. And the fact that he was allowed to go is the thing that just keeps repeating in my head. I just cannot believe that an injustice like that actually occurred. You know what? Well, else I just wanted like... to kind of branch out and just ask you guys. Yeah. You know, sometimes people say, "Well, they're just born evil." Do you believe that you know he he was destined for this sort of violence from birth? Was he predisposed to this sort of thing, or is it more societal, or is it a bit of both? What do you think? I think it's well, 
I think it's actually both. But I also have like a strong belief that everyone has their own uh, responsibility in life. So at the same time, yeah, you can say societal. I don't think people are born evil, but I do think people make the choice to become evil. So like slowly through your life, you make choices and you have to be aware of all the choices you make. And if you, <laughs> when people make bad choices, usually they don't care for the consequence. And when you start racking these, let's say bad karma points up, then you're basically evil. But like you said, everyone's dealt a hand, you know, everyone's dealt a card, uh, a hand of cards that, at, at the beginning of their life, which you can't change. And obviously it's going to give you a better chance of life or whatever, but it's never an excuse. I, I think I agree with, with to a certain extent that an individual might be born with a certain part of their brain more developed or less developed, where they are more predisposed to aggression or they're more predisposed to uh, a lack of emotional empathy that being said you know none of these are direct cause to behave in the way that we see modern day serial killers or psychopaths behave so i think you might be pre predisposed but never do anything like this in your life but I, I think the main player here is the environment you know if that individual had been born into a caring loving household in a good area I don't think he would be at that point in life. Mm, but do you, but like you, some people may argue like there are people, maybe his brothers and sisters, they grew up the same way, uh, at least from an early age. And perhaps they weren't molested later on, etc. But do you think that kind of, do you think saying that gives them an excuse? Is that an excuse or is it valid to say these kind of things? I think two things can be, can be true as in his environment played a big contribution into who he became. But at the same time, we've also said personal responsibility. So yes, his environment was terrible, but at the same time, he made that decision to become who he became. So yeah, I think it's a bit of, I think, you know, I'm, no way am I giving this guy any kind of, as with anyone we're going to discuss today, we're not giving any of them, uh, you know, a way out or a way to explain their actions. But we're just pointing out that, you know, there's, there's a certain level of explanation that can be given to the environmental factors that led to who they became. I've got a question. Mm. In this case, uh, when, they, when the natives caught him and they were about to bury him alive, it was a form of, let's say, like, let's say it was, it was basically, uh, what's it called when it's capital punishment? Like punitive punishment, right? Like mod, mod, done? Retribution retribution yeah yeah it's, it's, it's like retribution do you think that's applicable or should, should it be allowed in this case do you think that's an ethical thing to do no because that singular tribe was going to bury him alive for trying to kidnap that child they didn't know what he had done prior so yes he should have been given into the authorities because of the families of the victims should have been able to see him face justice they, that would have robbed them of that and you know with the confessions that he gave at least some of those families found their loved ones found out what happened to their loved ones it's the not knowing in some cases that's worse than anything but like you know things like this i feel like it's born out of when the community doesn't can't deal with these like dangerous issues the when i say community i mean like the government the community take over vigilantism starts you see it and we saw it in new york with uh, i feel what they're called but like something angels where in the i think it's like in the 80s or 90s uh it was quite bad with the you know mafias etc the police weren't really de dealing with them and so you got uh, local vigilante groups coming out do you think it's a necessity in these countries um where like they have to take it upon themselves to en enact justice I mean, yeah, that's true. They escalate. So, I mean, at what point do you say no to kind of mob justice? Obviously, this person, whatever, you know, physical torture that they put him through, I wouldn't really, you know, bat an eye to it. But it's just the precedent that it sets. Because in that, in that particular instance, they didn't actually know that he had, as I said, committed the murders. So they were going to kill him for something else. At what point does that something else become so, 
you know, blase where, you know, there's somebody's walking down the street, they look at you funny and you say mob justice and you kill them. Mm. So I, that, that leads to a slippery slope. I think what they ended up doing was the correct thing, which was handing him over to the authorities. But the problem there was the authorities were corrupt. That's what if, needs to be, you know, correct. that's what needs to be fixed. But let's say you were living in that community and you knew, you know, this is the problem. Like, you know, mm. if you go to the authorities, it's so corrupt that things won't be sorted. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I like. I, I get I where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from, one hundred percent. But it's 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 just the. It's, it's not ideal. Unfortunate just way of. Yeah, ideal. it's just not ideal at all. But like at the end of the day, if if um, justice is not being served, you're gonna have. Uh, I think it's better to do some form of justice than none, instead of having people just running around and doing weird stuff. We see how the justice system works. When when people try and fight back, there was a case of the girl that was kidnapped. I think she killed her kidnapper, and she was going to be sentenced to life in jail. If you know what I'm talking about. Yes, uh, there's a Netflix documentary about her and Kim Kardashian. I think tried to get her exonerated. I can't remember how that ended up, but um, yeah, there is a documentary on Netflix about that. Yeah, I I get Dan's point, but in a world, let's say you live in a world where justice is is never served. And corruption is rife. And although it's not ideal, is either you you don't deal with anything or you attempt to deal with it. What would you do? I mean, in in that particular scenario, if I was if I was the people of these tribes or you know these villages who noticed the amount of missing people, the sheer volume of it that was missing, that of missing people, and I kn- knew that my local authorities were not going to do anything. Of course, I take matters into my own hands, which is what they did. Because shortly after the five bodies were uncovered due to the flash storm is when he was caught because they were more, you know, vigil. Once they realized that, okay, this actually is a singular person that's doing this. That's when they became more vigilant and they decided to take matters into their own hands. And that's how this, like, this monster was caught. So I guess to an extent... Yes, it just depends on the circumstances that you're in. Mm. We come from a place of privilege in that we can say, no, let the authorities deal with it because we have certain things in place for the authorities to deal with it. But if you're living in a country like that, you don't really have much of, an, much of a choice. And so, and so I do agree with you that to an extent, yes, like community policing, I guess, is kind of what you're, what you're getting at. Almost. Yeah, yeah. I um, wouldn't say like that's a good thing for the West or where we live. Like where basically justice is usually served, but um, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, 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 I would I, I, even I, argue that justice isn't actually served with us either. But there, there's there's certain channels that you have to go through, and if you don't, then yeah, as Dan checks. said, you are going to be sent to prison. Mm. So there's, checks and, yeah, there's exactly. checks and balances. Yeah, there's checks and balances. So, yeah. but yeah, I found a really interesting one online. Um, so this story is well, I'll go through it. So that. There's a lady, it's about this lady called Marianne Britland. Uh, she was born in the 1800s, oh, yeah, towards the end, 1886. And uh, she grew up in Bolton. So this lady uh, grew up and married a man named Thomas. And they ended up having two daughters, Elizabeth and Susanna. Mary didn't, it, it didn't seem like a, an unordinary person. She had two jobs. At the time, she was a factory worker, which was quite common in, in the Midlands. And uh, at night, she worked as a barmaid also. So to be honest, this was a uh, normal in society. Um, so, but one day, um, Mary went to a nearby chemist um, and claimed that she had some mice infested at home. And the chemist well, obviously allowed her to buy the packet of vermin killer. And this packet contained both, sorry if I don't pronounce the chemicals correctly, but it's arsenic and strychnine, which I believe is uh, extreme poison. At the time... Strychnine, I think. Strychnine, there we go, strychnine, that's it. (laughs) So, yeah, anyway, at the time, uh, due to the laws, she was required to sign the poison register. So, doing that, uh, her... Obviously, she is a serial killer, and so her first victim actually was her eldest daughter, which is quite sickening. So she, the, she poisoned her first eldest daughter, and her daughter was around 19 years old, 
in March 1886. Uh, her death was initially attributed to natural causes. So the doctor thought she just died of a heart attack or something along those lines. And in the end, Mary claimed £10 on her life insurance policy. So she took out a life insurance policy for her daughter. Um, back in the days, uh, £10 was a lot of money, especially for you know factory workers in the Midlands. Um, I mean, even today, I'll, I'll take £10. But... So, her, so time goes on. Relax, buddy. <laughs> Don't think I didn't notice that. Relax, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> time, all right, Aaron, you know, watch yourself. So time goes on. And her next victim was her husband. So she also poisoned her husband, Thomas. And at the time, he was aged around 44. Uh, his death was on the 3rd of May. And it was, again, diagnosed for epilepsy. So a bit different, but something that's natural, naturally occurring. And surprise, surprise, she claimed on the insurance once again. So, yeah, you think this woman's a you know, piece of dirt. And then the story thickens. Um, they, uh, after investigation, turns out that Mary was having an affair with the neighbor, Thomas Dixon. So <laughs> during the whole time that she was, she was married, she was having an affair and then decided to kill her own family. And it, it gets worse, actually. So after her own husband's death, the neighbor, Thomas, and his wife felt very sad for her. And uh, they inv invited her to stay at their place. Uh, and actually, it was the 29-year-old wife, Mary, which invited her over. Um, funny enough, they have the same name. Mary, the, the wife of the neighbor, then became the third and final victim. So uh, that is some scary stuff. Uh, all three deaths were almost near identical. And so you can tell that the police uh, had some suspicion on what was going on. In the end, the police found lethal quantity of both poisons in uh, all the bodies. And it, it somehow added up to, um, to the amount that she also brought from the register. So obviously, it was immediately assumed that she's the killer. So she was arrested along with Thomas, uh, the neighbor. In the end, with the police, she ended up confessing and said that she wanted to marry the, the neighbor, Thomas and that she poisoned her first daughter because she thought she suspected her plans. Now, to do that is sickening. Like, whatever, even if you sleep with your neighbor, to then realize that your daughter is about, you know, she, she maybe sussed it out, and then to poison your own blood, uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know what to think of that person. Um, yeah, so that was why she killed her daughter and then her husband because she wanted to live with the neighbor. Um, she was charged with murder of the three victims, but Thomas himself was found to play no part in the murder. I'll get your thoughts on that later on. Her defense was that the, the small amount of money from the insurance payout doesn't um, justify the killings. So I think that, that was her point, but yeah, that went nowhere. And in the end, she was sentenced to, to execution and uh, during the sentences, she declared in obviously a posh uh, 1880s voice, I'm quite innocent. I'm not guilty at all. So in the end, she was, she was sentenced to the death penalty and executed the same year. And uh, stories say that as she was dragged to the gallows, she was screaming and asking for mercy, um, you know, after she killed her own daughter and husband. In the end, you know, she was married for 20 years, decided to do this, and all the events happened within the same year. She killed everyone and also got executed within the same year. Now, I just want to get your initial thoughts on this story. Um, what do you think? I mean, my first, first thought was, is she a serial killer, really? Because I guess it kind of depends on what the actual definition of a serial killer is for sure. But why I asked that question is, you know, I always assume that serial killer kills because they just simply enjoy killing. Or, yeah. you know, they kill where they have, you know, pick at random and they, they kill someone because they I don't know, have the same hair color or they're in the same age range. But this person seems to have quite methodically fought it out and had an end goal that she wanted to reach which was to marry the neighbor. 
so I mean, is this is this a serial killer? Do you think? I mean, I, that's the first thing that popped into my head. So, do you think uh, that she's actually a serial killer because she wasn't just killing at random? She wasn't killing because she enjoyed killing. She actually had an end goal, which was to basically marry the neighbor, mm. and she thought that you know her daughter might find out, and she wanted to get rid of her husband. And given the era that it happened in, I'm assuming that you know divorce wasn't really an option for her, so she got rid of the the husband and the daughter because they got into way of her greater plan. I don't know why, but my first initial thought was, is she really a serial mm. killer or is she just someone who's extremely bad? Murderer. Who, yeah. He's, he's just a, a murderer who, you know, shows very little remorse for what she's done. Clearly she's clearly a bit mentally, well, not a bit, very mentally unstable, but yeah, she's a serial killer. I don't know if she falls in. That was my first thought. Yeah, the definition of a serial killer is that someone who kills more than three people in general, or two two people in general, so two or three people. So she falls under the strict definition. I think what you're talking about is, that is it? like, yeah, that's that's basically it. I just googled it. I I think what people get is the pop culture version, you know, because it's not exciting to see someone who murders. It's not fun to see someone who murdered someone, you know, for a meticulous reason. It's more um, easy to put on TV, you know the the more random ones the ones that shock you truly and i think this is what ends up being in people's minds of what a serial killer is um but i do get what you mean as in like i think what you're asking is more is is her killings just as unethical as someone who murders randomly yeah pretty much i mean i feel like with her it's like to get she wants to get to point b she's at point a given the time that she lived in, she can't just divorce her husband. So in her sick mind, she decides, okay, so I'll just kill him. And then she thinks, oh, well, my daughter as well, my daughter might know this. So she kills her daughter first and then she kills her husband. And then she kills the guy's uh, wife. So in her head, to be with him, these three people are in her way. So she kills them. That to me sounds like, yeah, she's clearly obviously mentally ill. Mm. But, you know, she with could serial do this again. killers, yeah, I mean, with True. serial, I mean, I, she can do it again for sure, but, like it just feels like to get her, promotion. Her, yeah, no, but like it just seems Anything. like her plan was to kill those three people to get in that were in the way of what she wanted. Whereas with a serial killer, it, from what I understand, it's more like a bloodlust where they can't stop themselves and they will just keep going. Oh, I see what you mean. But which ones? Which one's more evil? Is the bloodlust more evil, or is the the one where you attempt to execute a plan more evil? They're all evil. Yeah, I can't really. Yeah, I can't really quantify it to be entirely honest with you. I just feel like the one where you're executing a plan is the slightly more sane version of what is an insane situation. But then, when you if you premeditate it and you know exactly what, for example, like there might be a serial killer that kills randomly, and usually you can put it down to they're insane, pretty much Mm. because they're not planning it out. Someone who like meticulously plans something is very aware of the effects that they're, they're going no, to... Can I just say, can I just say, yeah. serial killers do meticulously plan how they're going to kill. They have a modus operandi or whatever they do, it's called. Yeah. And they have an MO, basically. So they meticulously plan it. When I say randomly, I mean that they won't say, oh, I'm going to go down to this house and get this particular person. They'll kind of troll the area and being the predators that they are, they'll look for uh, people who they deem easier to be able to you know capture and and take but in this particular instance it's like she literally had in her head these three people and she went through them systematically when i say randomly killed i don't mean someone who goes out into the street and randomly just stabs someone or shoots someone because that in my opinion isn't a serial killer either that's just an insane person a serial killer is someone who in my opinion has a pre-calculated way of killing and does it because they enjoy doing it um, I, I, the victims are only random in the sense that they might not have a prior attachment to the victim. But this person, the, this, mm. this this woman seems to have planned it out. Oh, for you sure. Know, she's yeah. went and gotten the poison. She's fought it through and said, look, these three people are in my way. I'm going to get rid of these three people and get to my end point. So when you were explaining it to me, I just thought, you know, weirdly enough, I just thought, is she a serial killer? I mean, I guess the thing is, I know she's a serial killer by the definition of it, but for some weird reason, I just thought, is she a serial killer? Or is I she just very, mean, yeah. very mentally ill? 
is she mentally ill though? Do you think people who do this are mentally ill? For example, but but Erin, people, people go to war. People go to war and kill each other under horrific circumstances. But we don't call them mentally ill. But when someone kills for a different reason, different mm. reason, we then want to label it as mentally ill. I mean, for sure, sometimes a lot of times that you know, extreme mental pressure will will cause these things. But are they always mentally ill? So my my understanding of like war, none of us have been to war. We don't know what it's like to be in war. But from my understanding, it's that you know these soldiers who come back from wars are often you know they they have the guilt of what they've done. They understand what they've done is wrong. The difference between this woman and say a soldier is, a soldier will say, look, at the end of the day, I killed someone. That is a wrong thing to do, but I've done it for X, Y, Z reasons. And generally as a society, we accept those reasons. This woman knows what she's done is wrong, but doesn't seem to really care because if she did, she would have stopped after the daughter, but then she went on to kill the husband. Then she went on to kill the wife. Well, you, you, could, you could say that, but like, for example, like when, some, when someone decides I'm going to enlist in the army, right, they know they're going to kill, right? But they don't know what circumstance is going to happen. And it's the same with her. When she decided, right, I'm going to do this, she probably thought I'm just going to kill the husband, something along those lines. But then once you're in the situation, you know, she found out her daughter knew she had to kill the daughter, then she killed the husband, then maybe she didn't put one or two together and she also killed a wife. And it's the same with military. You know, when they go into military, they go to a village. They okay, so yeah, I was just going to make the point that, you know, two, two uh, you know, serial killers that I can just think of that had some sort of, uh, you know, roots in the army is the Golden State Killer, who was the child of a traveling army, uh, army colonel or something like that. You know, his family was in the army. Yeah, uh, and then he was a police officer when he when he grew up. He became a police officer himself, and uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. He was also enlisted in the armed forces, from what I from what I have read. And then he yeah. was, uh, I believe, dishonorably dishonorably discharged or honorably discharged. But he 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 was deemed too uh, mentally incompetent to even serve in the armed forces. So, I guess I guess maybe you, an argument can be made there that perhaps it takes a similar kind of mindset in that you are okay with the idea of having to kill someone um, in both of these, these personality types, whether you're a serial killer or you join the army, there, there could be an argument to be made there that it takes the same type of mentality in knowing that when it comes down to it, you're going to take a life. Yeah. And a commitment. Being able to be okay with it, being able to commit to that idea. But I don't know. I thought, for, it is an interesting question you brought up. Yeah, it's I mean, tough, isn't it? Because like, yeah. like we tend to what separate the two. It and what doesn't, I guess. Exactly. It's... Yeah. What is? Yeah. What is the? Ju so I think really what we look at is the reasoning. So I, I wouldn't say necessarily just because she created these. You know, she killed her daughter or whatever. That she's necessarily mentally ill. But the reasoning behind it is necessitates that it's an evil act. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. It, can it be justified? for you to go and poison your own 19 year old daughter, you know, she barely lived her own life. But like, so you said that it wasn't mental, mental instability then. So what would you call that? Mm, mm, that clearly uh, is a mental that instability. Is men but, mm, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I don't know. I don't know. Cause someone might not fully understand their actions mm. as in, you know, she put it, do you know what I mean? Like some people go through with things and then later they realize, Oh my God, what have I done? Uh, there is a lack of responsibility. It's like when you see, you know, teenage boys in London kind of stabbing each other. I don't believe beforehand they really understood what that action will be. But okay. they're committed to carry it through and only afterwards do they, do they get the repercussion of PTSD, etc. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing but out. How is that applicable to the army? Because there's people who will be in the military who will go to a war and then continue to serve in the army. That's true. That's true. And uh, here's the thing. Like, I, I, I don't necessarily, I, don't, I do not believe like, isn't you're mentally ill if you killed someone necessarily because for example in the military idea like there are just wars they always have been like wars of defense uh, when the mongols are invading and you're defending your village or wh wherever you live i think that's just do, do, do you know what i mean like so but well, who determines if it's just 
history in the end. Because look at, <laughs> Not look you, at but... all the look at all the wars that have taken place that are, that are taking place currently. There's people on either side saying that the opposite side is doing the wrong and the opposite side are murderers and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think it's a very difficult thing to come to a conclusion on. Yeah, but, I could, yeah, that's true. But when you like I said, I think it's more of a societal thing. So as a society, we say that if you are a civilian and you kill another civilian, then that is wrong. And so what this woman has done is wrong on that basis alone. But on top of it, she's not only killed one, not only killed two, but she's killed three people. She's two definitely of wrong. Were her yeah. family. One of them yeah. is her actual flesh and blood. She's clearly... So I think as a society, we can deem that as mental illness. But the army thing, as you said, because it's, it's a larger scale thing, maybe as a society, we deem that as okay. Yeah, it's a tough one. And I'd like to have a, you know, one, maybe have a conversation with a psychiatrist one day to really explain what is mental illness. Is it always the case that heinous acts necessitate that they're also mentally ill? Um, I'm not too sure about that one. But um, yeah, I had a few questions about what do you think of the other husband? I mean, in the end, he was completely acquitted. Um, It was his wife that died. But also, it was him that did, he also invited them to the house. So, do you think he had nothing to do with it? I mean, it was a long time ago, and the records aren't too clear anymore. No, we can't do any more investigations. But it did seem quite weird that he was immediately acquitted straight after arrest. I mean, I think the the whole point that I made of given the era that it occurred in, I don't think you know. We obviously know that that was a horrible time to be a woman. I, I mean, I guess it's always not a fantastic time to be a woman because of the disparity between the sexes generally speaking anyway but specifically in that time period you know she couldn't have divorced her husband um she couldn't have done a plethora of things in life because she was a woman and i think he kind of took advantage of the situation a little bit um and when she killed her daughter and then killed her husband he surely must have known that the fact that the woman that he's cheating with has now lost both her daughter and her husband, something was going on there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think given the time that it occurred, I, they were willing to let him off and put all the blame on her. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I mean, again, but, we don't know what happened, but here, can I postulate a theory? Can I do conspiracy theory here? You go and do it. Theory is he told her to go and get the, the poison so that his name isn't on the on the register he told her what to do and then when they got caught out he left her to hold the bag that could be something that happened we don't know because of the era that it happened in and the fact that he was just completely acquitted it just makes mm-hmm. me think that that is a possibility of something that may have also happened we just don't know yeah i totally agree like it was so fishy where you know she's the one signing it off and even after like you said after the fact knowing that you know she most likely killed them or let's say, you did, let, let's put ourselves in this shoe. He sees his neighbor, which he's, you know, sleeping with. Within the same year, the, both the, the daughter and the husband die within the same year. And then she asks, can I live with you? I mean, I don't know, like, guys, be careful in it. Like, I, I don't want to say, like, like, in the future, if you're ever caught in an entanglement or something like that, like, be really careful. Because this is, obvi- for me, this is obvious. So Yeah, I mean... That, that's why I'm saying I, I'm going to be a bit of conspiracy theorist without knowing anything about this case whatsoever. I just want to put that out there. I know absolutely nothing about it. But just given the time period that it occurred in, I think it's more than likely that they were willing to just prosecute the woman without really looking into the man's involvement in, in what actually took place. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's the fact of sexism as well. It's, pure, it's playing into this, I mean. Yeah, it's so easy to convict. It, it probably was easy to convict her, um, you know. I, I think during these times as well, this is where like witch purges were happening, etc. So, I mean, you can think about how you know yeah. what kind of time period it was. I mean, the fact that there were still literally witch hunts going on is is pretty indicative of it. It's a bit of a mazine, but um, yeah. I also wanted to bring up something else. Do you think that she? Um, she deserved the death penalty. Do you think the death penalty is applicable for this situation? Like your personal feeling? My personal feeling on the death penalty as a whole is that the death penalty should not exist for the simple reason that, you know, I come from a country where 
when they did have the death penalty, depending on who was in charge, they could literally, for whatever reason, just hang any of the, anyone who was against their particular regime. So I don't agree with any country having the death penalty. Now, if you're asking me whether or not it was justified to kill someone who's then killed three people, potentially, potentially. I mean, if you, okay, ask me the question again, but ask me if you think that I think the, the monster of the Andes should have been executed. Yes, 100% he should have been. But in this particular case, I'm not too sure. I'm mm. not too sure. Generally speaking, I'm completely against the death penalty because of the repercussions of what the death penalty means to society as a whole and who is in charge of, you know, handing out the death penalty. But in this specific situation, I guess you're kind of asking me, am I okay with an eye for an eye situation? Which, again, is a slippery slope. But I think in extreme cases, mm. such as the monster of the Andes, such mm. as a Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, uh, John Wayne Gacy, or Ted Bundy, and so on. I think, yeah, there it is there it is justified. But I don't know. In this in this particular case, as heinous as the act was, I just think I I, I just can't quite wrap my head around giving her the death. I think life in prison would have been a better option for her because. Again, it seems to me that somebody who would do something like that, like that, who, in my opinion, could have potentially been manipulated, might actually deserve some psychiatric help, but shouldn't then just be released into society. Should be kept, you know, under lock and key and, you know, under supervision at all times. But in her particular case, I don't know. I don't know. Because, again, I don't know the entirety of the case. Yeah, yeah. First case that we discussed, 100% yes, should be given the death penalty without... without you know, any kind of hesitation should 100% have been given the death penalty. But again, look, actually, you know what? Look, now that I think about it, she was given the death penalty. He walked free. Can you imagine? 300 plus That's murders. Crazy. That's and crazy. he walked free and she was, she was executed. Mm-hmm. No one to say, what about her? You know, is she insane? She would declare her insane and put her into a hospital. Yeah. So again, it's just... You know, how do one, you yeah. how do you make that decision of when to hand it hand the death penalty and when not to? At what uh, point do you draw the line? Is there a particular kill count that you say, okay, at this point we give the death penalty? Or? Like, in my opinion, crimes like murder, uh, especially when it's premeditated and without like justifiable cause, for example, like self defense, crimes like rape, uh, in a perfect world, hypothetically, I totally agree with the death penalty. Uh, I think is the ultimate deterrent. But I do acknowledge that in the world that we live in, uh, this can be used, for example, for political gain. Uh, this can be also, like in the case of America, you know, where it's uh, the justice system has a kind of racial bias, uh, can be basically genocide. Um, mm. Do you know what I mean? People being prose- pros- uh, prosecuted for the wrong things, then find out like maybe 30 years later that they're, you know, they were actually innocent. Because of this, I, I, I don't think it should be implemented unless like the the nation is proven to have a high level of moral uh, you know consistency. But in practice, that means no nation can do it. So I may as well throw out the window. Yes, yeah. But if someone asks me, like, do you have any qualms of it? Even one murder, Evan, I have no qualms. I, 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 unless it, but like, if it's not, premeditated and you, you know, do you not think like for okay, look again, I don't know this case, but I'm just going to use this yeah. case as an example. Yeah. Let's say there's a case where a woman who's not at full mental capacity or a man who's not at full mental capacity yeah. uh, falls prey to somebody who is a predator who manipulates them into committing a crime Mm-mm. who then goes and, let's say, murders someone. Yeah. Should, do you really think that that no, person no, no, should no, be no, given the death penalty? No, no, no. So but then I'll, how but... do you know? That's the question. Yeah, because you have how many, physicians. Let, that's what I mean. No, like no, You no, have no, people let, that can determine say, this. Yeah. Let's say, for example, a boy grows up in a terrible area. Yeah, yeah. He's surrounded by gangsters his whole life. Yeah. He gets given the option of, you either join our gang, you're part of our gang, or you're against our gang. What yes. option do you have? So to, ble- to you know, to put him into the gang as an initiation, they tell him to go and kill someone. Okay, then he's not... Do you think that person deserves to die? No, no, no. What, what, what I mean is, like, if it's murder for pure evil intent, for example... But like how do you she... prove that in a court of law? Yeah, you can prove it in a court of law. How? Like, you, if there's no evidence to support it, then you prove you basically prove it. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, in it. 
but uh, okay, I so assume you can prove I, these I, I go tomorrow, yeah. um, I, I buy a gun, and yeah. I, let's say I go and I kill someone a week later. Mm. These are the hard facts that you know. Mm. Maybe I had an altercation with the guy a week before I bought the gun. Mm-mm. That it clearly shows some level of premeditation there. Yeah, yeah. I went and I killed the person. Yeah. yeah. Do in your eyes, do I now deserve death? Yes. Okay, but now let me do the counter argument. No like, one knew, but that guy went and uh, you know assaulted one of my loved ones. But this is what I'm saying. This is why I say. Uh, is pra- that not mob justice? You agreed with mob justice as well. So now I've gone and killed that person. If she, no. no, no. That's what but how I'm, do that's, you prove that in a court of law? This bro, is what listen, I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying, yeah, in practice, it can't be applied. That's not my point. But I'm saying on a perfect utopian world, if let's say, what I'm trying to say is that if they have no, for example, ma- uh, mental disability, or if there's no like uh, underlying uh, reason why they committed murder, and they just committed murder because they want, you know, they wanted to gain, um, mm. then yes, they deserve it. But I said this, like I acknowledge. This is not a perfect world we live in, so therefore, it's not practical to apply it at all. Do you see what yeah, I'm coming I mean, from? I, I, I'm, like, I'm, 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 I'm thinking of like, in th- for example, like communism. In pure theory, it's perfect. In practice, cannot be applied at all. You might disagree on it, but like, that's the kind no, of. No, no, I do, I do agree with that. I do agree. With but that. that's the kind of thinking I'm going through, like that, in that sense. One might say capitalism is the same, Stephen. But um, <laughs> before before we turn <laughs> this into a political podcast. <laughs> So, like, I just want to make it very clear, as a Verbal Reasoning podcast member, Erin, um, I completely and utterly am against the what death penalty. What do you mean, Erin? You mean Aaron. all of us? Because clearly, no, clearly, Stephen is very much, uh, very much pro-death oh penalty. God. I don't know what's going on here, but me personally, I, I just think that there's more to every, I mean, beyond the serial killer thing. I know this is the serial killer podcast, but we're just talking just, you know, somebody goes out and kills another person. There's always many different angles to look at that particular event from and so i i just don't know how you can ever unilaterally say you know that person definitely deserves a death penalty in that circumstance as i've mentioned in a circumstance like a ted bundy like a jeffrey dahmer like a uh you know lopez the the monster of the andes yes okay you can say that that individual is terrible but what percentage of the population is are serial killers for the regular person who might end up committing a murder i don't think they just i i don't think that you know eye for eye approach is the right way to go about it okay now my disclaimer i as steve officially do not support death penalties in application in any real life situation because of what i said uh, i only entertain some hypothetical ideas which Aaron tried to put into my mouth as this is what i want <laughs> to happen in this world Boy, but I don't I have, know. you need to do that quick disclaimer because you were sounding kind of crazy there for a minute. But if these guys died somehow, I'd have no qualms. That's all I'm going to say in it. <laughs> Which guys, though? Uh, both the lady and uh, the Andes Don. Oh, yeah, them. Yeah, sure. I wouldn't, yeah, have, any qualms. Sure. I wouldn't have any qualms I, with them either. I'm just talking about like a generally general public. Let's say if somebody committed one murder when in they general, get themselves in, yeah. I wouldn't really be like, oh, no, give them the death penalty. No, no, no. I, I think like if it ever was, a, let's say like in America, where it's already applied, I'd only be uh, like happy with it if it was like a unanimous decision, like no shadow of a doubt. If there's any shadow of a doubt, it shouldn't be applied at all. But As technically I, speaking, that is how it's applied now. No, not really. Uh, technically speaking, yeah, you but we know, we know, Aaron, Aaron, we know, we know. You yeah, know, but this is like, what I'm saying. This is what I'm this saying. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. This is why I said. Yeah. Yeah, okay. No, 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 no. This is what I'm I'm just, I said. It I'm can't be applied. Out there. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. All right, cool. So, so uh, just for your viewers, yeah, I don't want you to get triggered by me. I'm not. I'm not like this right wing guy, but I'm just saying it. I was just entertaining thought. Also, um, you know, countless times somebody has been executed, and then many years down the line, they found out that actually you know, they hadn't committed the crime. That's that they what were I said. That's what, what I'm said. saying. So That's why I said it's impractical. It can't be applied, bro. Stop putting okay, no, no, but I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm oh, just saying, guy, you know, yeah. let's just make it, make it very clear, right, innit? Just making it clear, guys. Yeah, yeah. Just making it very clear. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, this was, this was our kind of, you know what, just to wrap up, I want to ask. So we decided to do this uh, podcast because we basically looked online to see, you know, what are people interested in? And when we look up, you know, let's say top 10 podcasts, what we see is like the top 10, maybe the top eight of them are serial killer podcasts or true crime podcasts. What is it with society's fascination with serial killer? Like why is society so fascinated by them? 
why do girls love serial killer documentaries? I love serial killer documentaries. No, 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 I don't know, man. <laughs> My no, no, experience what, like, what, yeah. is that they really do like to, I don't know, mo- most of the girls I've dated, let's put it this way, they, they, like, they like to watch serial well, killer documentaries. To be honest, I mean, I, I literally, uh, if some, if the, my FBI agent was to look through my, you know, watch Amazon and Netflix documentaries, I always, if I see a documentary about serial killer, I'm almost immediately intrigued and I kind of want to watch it. Um, but it's just but it's why. Why do, why do we, why do we glorify them? Basically. But I don't know That's if it's doing. even glorifying. I it just is, kind of. You put, we make films out of them. At that point, you're glorifying them. Hmm. Like, you, you know, the, the cults end up, like, rallying around these serial killers. Like, it happened to, I forgot that American guy. Um, but, like, you get, like, groupies because they're serial killers and then be glorified in pop oh, culture. Oh, every, every serial killer pretty much in America has had about? groupies. You people, you're broken. <laughs> <laughs> I just I mean, want to say it. For, for me, personally, I'm just kind of, I guess what I'm kind of intrigued about is the psychology behind it. I mean, obviously I've got a neuroscience master's. I've always been interested in kind of the brain and how it works. And I've always kind of been intrigued by what makes a person bad. You know, is, is, there, is there like a brain defect that some people are born with that we can actually test in a laboratory and say, yes, there's this particular gene that makes them this way. Or, you know, is it, is it societal or as we discussed, is it a bit of both? I think mm-hmm. maybe that's kind of what's intriguing. Like, for example, uh, let me give a quick shout out to a couple, couple, you know netflix shows that people might enjoy to to listen to if they've enjoyed this podcast uh tv show if you haven't watched it go watch mindhunter which is on netflix i believe it's david fincher's show uh is really good it is very 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 good um and it 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 chronicles a series of real life serial killers and it does cover the atlanta child murders as well very good very good tv show and there's the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes. We, uh, no, sorry, the Ted Bundy tapes also on Netflix, um, which you can go and check out as well. And I think what's intriguing about them is, especially when you hear, for example, with Ted Bundy, the way he tries to kind of explain his way out of it is quite interesting. Mm-mm. I don't know what causes that interest in me, but it just, that, I think maybe why. it's just because it's outside of the norm. Yeah, yeah, you you can't relate to them directly, but you you, you see they have a certain ca- kind of like logic or calm about it. So you you really want to understand why because it's very alien to us. But that's my feeling. Maybe like if if there's any psychologist or anyone who has experience in this field and wants to get involved, maybe we can do a podcast with you and just drop us a line. Uh, yeah. So our Instagram at podcast verbal. Uh, <laughs> I probably butchered it. Facebook. We're on Facebook, Twitter. And yeah, yeah, just message us and let's see where we can go with that. Um, is there anything to add, Aaron? Um, so Dan's obviously having some technical issues. So he's listening to the podcast, but unfortunately he can't really speak at the moment. I can't. Um, and, you know, for he's saying that, you know, there's been murder cases that are non-serial killer related that we've been fascinated by as well, such as the Aaron Hernandez murder cases and the OJ case. Mm. Um, you know, and... Yeah, Aaron Hernandez was playing at the top level as an elite athlete while he was, you know, actually actively going and murdering people. That's insane, yeah. And uh, OJ, obviously, he he was acquitted. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit and whatnot. But you know, we I think we all kind of, you know, we kind of know what. We have our theories, let's say, about what happened uh, that day. And uh, I think you know, there's a fascination with that as well because, you know, with them, they were literal celebrities. You know, there were celebrities that were involved in a murder case, but like with the likes of uh, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, etc., they became celebrities after the murders, Mm-mm. when the murders came to light. And yeah. in some cases, you know, some some serial killers they they want that sort of spotlight. They almost do it for the spotlight at this point because they're given so much attention. But you don't know, man. I I I, I yeah. Uh, I mean, that was that Daniel just wanted us to mention that, so I'm mentioning it now. But uh, yeah, I think we can wrap it up now. And thanks for the listeners for listening to us. And thank you very, very much for supporting us. We really appreciate it. Uh, we've seen our channel grow, well, channel, <laughs> our podcast grow. And, you know, like we appreciate all the love everyone's given us. And hopefully it can keep growing. Uh, hopefully you enjoy the videos. Um, well, videos. I'm like a YouTuber, but I'm not. 
<laughs> so if you have anything, you know, you want to add a, a topic for us to discuss or you want us to reach out to specific people, let us know. Uh, we'll probably put up a post on Instagram usually to ask for topics. And uh, yeah, we recently started a fantasy football league. Uh, go, go have a look. Go have a join. If you like football and you enjoy that kind of stuff, it's free. Uh, actually, there's even cash prizes for first, second and third. And uh, maybe a, a little prize for the last, uh, last place. But there we go. Uh, thank you for listening, guys. And I guess we'll wrap it here. Uh, Steve, why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand? That was bloody brilliant. Yeah, he sent it. Yeah, it's that dumbass video. Oh, with the fucking llamas. Jesus Christ. Oh my God, I hate that shit. What is that? Can someone explain to me what that's meant to be? Because I really don't get it. That was bloody brilliant.